Previously on Vengeance. This appears to be a ring of elemental command. You can move through solid earth or rock as if those areas were difficult terrain. I, I want it. You would see there's a section of the city that seems to have been crushed under some boulders. You, you faintly hear some music. It reminds you of like shopping. Oh my no god. No way. No way. <laughs> How long has it been since you've had a customer here? Oh, at least 50 years since the Great Flood. The what? Oh, of course, the dwarves were flushed out of Ackland by a Great Flood. There is a long shaft sticking out of this rough, cooled lava, the Hammer of Command. For one thing, I don't even know what the source of the lava was. Are you studied in geology? I can't say that I've ever been to the people that had a rational discussion about reactivating the lava flow. And you maybe put together the term, the gift of Rayarchs, would suggest that maybe the actions of a god were involved in forming this beneficial lava flow. Shall we? Sure. Sure. Let's go. <laughs> so you make your way up this huge, huge, huge mound, and as you come to the top, there seems to be some sort of active open caldera. You see pine trees. Their roots appear to be going down into the lava. I'm going to walk up and touch one of the logs. The logs animate and the logs have formed a humanoid about 12 feet tall and it roars at you. Roll initiative. Why is it always you? The entire ball catches flame suddenly. It sort of unfolds itself until finally there's a 18 foot tall sort of dwarven looking person with a huge fiery beard and big beautiful green eyes. You who have woken me, I must teach two of you some of my magics. Who wants to learn of my magics? In this world, anyone who wakes up a deity gets to learn some shit. And you basically get to bargain with your DM for whatever the hell you want it to be. Take your time, I'm gonna uh, do some stretches over here. <laughs> recipients of that. So uh, we can resolve that first if you guys have ideas for those things. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And I guess in fiction, there's like a brief huddle among them. Yeah. 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 All right. So we thought it'd be kind of cool if it was something that was sort of uh, Captain Planet-ish, like we had a combined powers. Mm. Uh, so the idea that we want to throw out there is her... Um, I wanted to do the like fists of fire thing, where my my fists turn and they they emit flames essentially. Isn't exactly what we just discussed. Yeah, okay. it was. All right. Um, oh. oh, oh, yeah. She just okay. went off the rails there. So I did. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's fine. That yeah, we could do your thing. Yeah, I. So hold on one more second. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I'll just stand here while you uh, work it out. You know, I can teach you whatever you want. Has the ring of heart been claimed? I'd like to be heart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the idea was to combine her, uh, I was it called a wind. Yeah, uh, so I have that skill that's the fist of unbroken air, my windy fist, basically. And then the idea was I would shoot a flaming arrow through that to turn it into a wall of fire that moves forward. Whoa, Okay. Uh, power? Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, so in a mechanical sense, like, Suko would expend whatever it takes to do the wind fist thing, the Hadouken. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then so the the new the new spin would be you being able to like ignite your arrow in some way, and it like expands into like a a wall that moves forward. You're saying. So yeah, basically, I would like uh, cast I don't know a, a spell or something on the arrow I'm about to shoot, and then as that arrow passes through her window, so we like we need to coordinate this yeah. attack. Yeah. Uh, so as the arrow goes through the uh, wind gust that she puts out with her fist, it makes it a flaming wall instead. So it would do fire damage, um, you know, instead of just wind. Yeah, I love this, I, and I think uh, Rayarx loves this too. I think she's she's nodding excitedly. Um, and, and actually, as you're describing this idea to her, she um, she goes over to the pile of logs that that monster kind of formed itself out of, um, and she pushes some out of the way, and she's digging around in some brush near the ground. Um, she goes, ah! And uh, she lifts up uh, a huge, super, super rusty hammer and starts dragging a big rusty anvil and, she, and these tools that have been just, like, rusting away uh in this underbrush, but they're huge. I think she said she's like 18 feet tall or something. Um, so these are of appropriate scale to her. She pulls these out um, and uh, and having checked that she understands your, your idea, she sets to work immediately. Um, and uh, and she, she lights a fire in this, this furnace forge structure uh, and gets something going. And she's making something really small and she keeps like hitting her fingers as she's trying to hold it in place. That kind of thing, and um, finally, uh, after maybe an hour of work, she finishes and hands you uh, an arrowhead um, that is pulsing uh, with a deep red light, uh, as if it were uh, re- red hot. Uh, but she says it's okay, and uh, you touch it, and it's cool to the touch. Um, but uh, this is an arrowhead that you can affix to the shaft of one of your arrows. And uh, when you fire this arrowhead, it will perform the function that you just described. Okay. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the amount of damage that does, um, let's just cross that bridge when we get to it. But, you know, okay. it'll, it'll be good. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Now, uh, glad to help you. Glad to teach. Now, I think, little dwarf man, you said uh, your city needs some help. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh the lava flow that powered our forges and allowed us to worship in our church seems to have gone cold, and I found in a book that that lava flow may have been a gift of yours, and I was hoping you could restore it to its its former grandeur. Oh, yes, of course. I was going to say, and also there's a really cool hammer stuck in it. Oh, well, got to get that hammer, I guess. Uh, well, let me uh, let me see if I can stir the pot a bit. Uh, and she steps over you guys um, and uh, pushes aside uh, pushes aside these huge trees like someone parting curtains. Um, and she takes her hammer that she was just using uh, and she leans over the caldera, this active bubbling caldera, and shoves the hammer into it. And if you're watching her, you can see those, those lava figures that were sort of vaguely threatening you uh, sort of cower and uh, jump out of the way. And she begins stirring it, like she's stirring a huge pot of soup or something. Um, and what had been an active but just sort of slowly bubbling caldera quickly starts roiling and rising in these great bubbles and masses of rising rock. Um, and uh, it uh, crashes through the blockage that you observe and begins to pour down toward the city of Agnes. And she says, uh, Now, were you wanting to get back down into the city? 
Yes, yes. Preferably if it's, uh, it's able to be done. If not, we would still like to. Are you averse to uh, writing logs? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, then. And uh, with one hand stirring, stirring the pot, uh, she reaches like back over your head and grabs, how many of you are there? Five, six, with, with seven, with uh, yep. Pimlin and Caleb. She grabs seven logs and plops them in uh, and into the, the brew. Uh, and they seem like they'll eventually catch fire, but these are big ass logs and they'll at least work for a little while. Um, and she uh, she gathers them towards the edge and gestures for you to, to board them. I immediately board mine. Same. I hop right on. I slowly approach mine with a lot of questions and doubts. I think we should. Tentatively do get into the law. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, she says, uh, happy travels. And with her hammer kind of scoots you all to the edge of the caldera and uh, you tip over the edge and start rolling down this stream of lava. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so polite. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's do a quick montage as you ride these logs back down into the city. Um, why, don't, why don't you each tell me how you're staying uh, afloat and uh, balanced atop these logs? Um, it's just like riding a horse, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I picture a little bit. So it could have gone two ways for me. I was really hoping it would be like Jamaican bobsled team kind of thing, and we could have. That, that's what I was hoping for. But since that didn't happen, I'm not picturing Ninja Turtles going through the sewer. I don't know if that's just me. But yeah, kind of like just surf style. I'm just sitting like cross legged, like kind of in like a meditation type pose and just kind of like swaying with the log as it moves. <laughs> That's great. I would also say I, I, I have the, uh, my javelin out because it's the longest stick I can find, and I'm using it kind of like a balancing pole uh, because that stuff, for some reason, makes sense. <laughs> oh, this is this is an important question. Are you and Rusty sharing a log, or does Rusty have his own log? Well, Rusty and I are sharing a log, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Seems like Rusty is even more tentative than Hemo about this whole situation. <laughs> Rusty's been on fire once before. <laughs> Gebetto is going to take, not shoot, just push a bolt, two bolts, one, uh, both from his crossbow, through each of the uh, straps of his boots to anchor himself onto the log. Oh God. This great club to kind of like row the lava as much as he is able just to keep it from, anytime he starts to like roll with the log, he's gonna push off. That's great. Um, I like every single one of those. Uh, everybody, please roll decks uh, with advantage. Uh, Alfred. 15. Suka. 17. Uh, Emo. 18. Gebetto. 14. And Magnus. 12. Okay. And, uh, and Pimlin is good as well. And uh, Caleb, that's important. Oh wow, Caleb crit, Caleb critted. Uh, Caleb is Caleb's like doing ollies with his log, like <laughs> just having a gay old time. Uh, yeah, so you ride this river of lava on these giant logs, um, and you uh, you pass down the winding way down this mound, and manage to aim yourselves so that you strike the narrow bridge, uh, and you all sort of come to a floating stop. 
uh, amid the many forges and altar of uh, the central church of Agla. Uh, and you can see the lava is settling in a, the large pool uh, which contains the uh, hammer that was sticking out of it. Are any of us close enough to, like, go investigate the hammer and see what's going on with it? Yeah, I'd say, like, through kind of grabbing each other's hands and, like, positioning yourselves, you could, you could get within reach of it, for sure. Okay. I think I'd like to work with, I guess, probably Calum and Gebetto specifically to do that. Does that make sense? Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's something you can just do. Uh, it's kind of a, like a lazy river situation at the bottom. Right. Although very hot, I presume. Yeah, I think you're able to uh, position yourselves, all three of you that you just mentioned uh, are within reach of the thing. Okay. Would one of you churchgoers like to do the honors? I mean, I know my rank. I can't take it. Uh, Caleb is trembling with excitement, uh, and after you, you say that, he uh, steadies himself on Gibetto's shoulder, or I guess it'd be more like down here, uh, and uh, <laughs> reaches out and grasps this handle. Um, and as he does, the jewels on the handle uh, light up, uh, and it comes right out of the lava, and it's huge. The head of this thing is huge. Uh, I think earlier, uh, a couple sessions back, Ash, you described a large hammer as being like 10 or 12 pounds. This would be like a 30 pound hammer. This is like a big fuck off hammer. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantasy world. Um, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so Caitlin the dwarf, uh, I mean, the rest of you see him hold this thing aloft and he was sort of a, he dressed, I don't know if I've described him very well. He, he dresses very humbly. He's sort of dirty and covered in soot and not a particularly regal looking person. When he holds this aloft, um, you're, you're all kind of taken aback and, and looking him over anew, and he almost looks kingly holding this thing in the air. Um, or chiefly, as the, uh, the dwarven term would be. Um, and uh, as he holds it aloft, um, behind you is, is this, this sort of vertical view of the many uh, tiers of the city of Aglan covered in Modrons going about their business, and as he holds it aloft, they all stop and turn to face him and seem to be, like, awaiting orders. And he says, uh, oh, uh, oh, I'm not sure what to do with this. As they were? Uh, yeah, uh, as you were. And his voice echoes off the many faces of dwellings in front of you, uh, and the Modrons continue their work. <laughs> Perhaps if I could offer a small, uh, addendum to that as I have been taking notes on their general construction and the efficacy of it, the efficiency of it, and also the general architecture of it. Mayhaps, yes, yes, get on with it. Mayhaps as you were, but better. Sure, uh, as you were, but better. And they kind of turn and look at him confused and uh, just continue what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I think they understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I may issue a command to myself and the rest of us, uh, let's get the hell off this lava. Yes. 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 <laughs> as, as I'm making way off the, the lava and the log with Rusty is, is a comical one, I'm sure. I'm trying to get a, a, a bore off the log safely. <laughs> In the village of Send, where Palfrey comes from, 
they actually have a saying if something is very difficult it's like trying to get a bore off a log in lava <laughs> proverbially very difficult thing to do imagine palfrey going yeah <laughs> <laughs> I knew this would be hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so you've successfully restored the flow of lava to, to the city of Agland. Uh, your friend Caleb seems to be in control of the Modrons. Uh, you're back on terra firma. What do you do? Given what our friends heard on the other side of that door, if we're going out that way, uh, Caleb, perhaps you should be prepared to give the Modrons a more military command depending on what we find. That sounds very exciting to me. Is he just like dragging the hammer around? This big hammer? Is he like, what's he doing with it? He's, he, he has yet to bring it down from above his head because it's just so cool to have this hammer. You can see his arm is shaking from the strain a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Head back towards the stairs. Yes, let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, are, are you asking Caleb to come with you? I, it would be nice if you would see us to the the door of your domain. <laughs> yes, I suppose. I'm not quite sure what to do because uh, it is a lonely domain. <laughs> uh, I'm not particularly keen on just staying here with all these Modrons running around, uh, but I also don't want to leave this hammer here. And I don't feel great about leaving the place with it. You, you did mention that there is more of your kin in distant cities that have settled certain areas. Maybe we could send word once we get back into town. That's a great idea, but I, I suppose, you know, this city is obviously the heart of this realm, but uh, it is not all of this realm, so uh, if, if we think there's possibly a threat elsewhere, I suppose in whatever capacity I'm in charge, I guess, I should investigate that. So all that is to say, yes, I will come with you. Uh, so uh, he, he finds... he finds a way to rest the hammer on his shoulder that doesn't knock him over uh, and <laughs> <laughs> proceeds with you. I am, like, uh, Gebetto is just, like, falteringly, like, trying to take measurements, but just kind of getting lost in the jewels and the mass of the hammerhead. <laughs> He's, like, scribbling off the end of a page. And, like, onto someone's, yeah. like, leg. <laughs> Across the palm of his hand. <laughs> Well, as we're walking away from the city of Eglin, one detail I realized I forgot to mention, which I had set a precedent before, was um, there are great stores of materials here for smith stuff. So there's like, I don't know, ingots or blooms or whatever. There's just like heaping piles of any metal you could you could ever want to work with. Speaking of materials, can we say that while the rest of us were paddling around in the lava that Pimlin went straight for the stuff? that he had stashed at the top of the city. Oh, interesting. Um, I think he would. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't want to, like, play Nick's character, but I feel no, like he would. I mean, let, let us collectively play Nick's character. So <laughs> I, think that, I think that tracks. I think, I think I said the majority of the stuff is, like, not coin. It's, like, yeah. art, art objects and that kind of thing, um, which is voluminous and not easy to, like, sneak past, you know, Caleb specifically. So, okay, I guess I'll, I'll have him do, like, a stealth roll. Okay, he did roll a two, which plus seven is nine. Uh, so we'll oppose that with Caleb's perception, uh, which is higher than that. So I think Caleb sees him going for the stuff. Yeah. And says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to reward you all for, for your efforts here uh, in due time, but I do need to 
know that the city is safe, and I'm not quite sure just yet. Does Pimlin put the stuff back? Uh, I think you <laughs> rolled a two again. <laughs> I think I think he tries to like stuff some stuff in his pockets, but Caleb like smacks his hand or something. <laughs> I just see him being like, "Oh man, I was caught." <laughs> 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 That's great. <laughs> All right, so we're heading upstairs. See what's on the other side there. How high, how many feet to the door? Like those of us with dark vision, could we? From, it's, I mean, it's like a thousand feet. Oh. The door, from the bottom of the stairs. This is a big, 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 big stairway. I have a hunch that the party on the other side of the door is not hostile, but I don't think that we should premise our behavior that hunch. So I think we should basically advance up the stairs in formation as if we are going to be attacked when we open the door. Mm -hmm. Are you suggesting we talk before fighting? Um, I'm suggesting that we open the door and see what we see. And that if we are attacked, we are in a position where we can easily counterattack. And if, if they want to talk, we talk. Back home, we had a technique. It was uh, named after two of our founding members. It was called a brooch and Claire, uh, and it involved people in a doorway and around a doorway. We have a similar thing in Zen. We call it a breach and clear. Um, <laughs> that sounds really dumb. Those yeah. aren't. I, I didn't. I didn't think you'd be impressed by that. But um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I guess that depends on like the sort of exact dimensions and mechanics of the door. I don't know, like, is there area to the side of the doors at the top of the stairs? Could people... Yeah, so um, the uh, the doors uh, receded. They were like pocket doors. They receded into the walls. On okay. The side. So these okay. were very broad, like like the two doors together, like 50 feet wide. Um, so there's a great deal of space to the sides of the opening, but that would eventually all be opening. Okay, so maybe what we need to do is form like a, a rank. Or another one of our military techniques, the flowing Y. A flowing Y. I like it. <laughs> it's very poetic. Uh, so, so it sounds like you were strategizing just outside the door here. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, maybe on our way up the stairs. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll I'll give one of I'll give one of my torches to Paul Frieda light if he desires, since he's the only one who can't see. Oh, thank you very much. Sorry, Magnus is Magnus is lighting Palfrey's desires. Is that what you said? <laughs> no, no, he, he said it, if if he yeah if he needs to. You're just making a joke, aren't you? I sure am. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I started to respond as if that was a real question. <laughs> if that happened, Magnus would be like, wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> I should have put that as my character flaw. Uh, okay, I'm drawing the room as you, like you guys pass through this room that's at the yeah. top of the stairs. Oh yeah, this is the gondola room, right? Yeah, so so you may yeah. <laughs> The like fucking thirty minute description of a thing that is basically a ski lift. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, where you would be standing uh, would be where there are these big doors that you remember uh, slid into the walls. It's stairs down down here towards Agland. These were the doors that you broke down with your brilliant plan down here at the far end of the room. Uh, there were the the multiple gondolas on a track. And then there was this whole 
there was like a hole in the floor and a hole in the ceiling. It seemed like these gondolas can go up or down. And there was this big pile of boulders um, that was seemed to be involved in some sort of counterweight process with these gondolas. Um, so that was how you left the room last time you saw it. Um, but I, currently you are on uh, this side of the door here. Uh, and the side of the door that you're on has a similar uh, concentric hexagons pattern with a golden hexagon in the center, uh, which was the key to opening it last time. So what's the move? Before we do anything, I'd like to listen closely at the door to see if anything is happening. Sure. Um, roll perception. That would be a modified 20. Nice. Yeah. Um... <laughs> oh, uh, you hear the sounds of a battle on the other side of the door. And you hear uh, shouts from several young sounding voices. Uh, and you hear the sounds of rust monsters. Um. The sounds of many rust monsters. Well, I'm no fan of rust monsters, but I'm even less of a fan of people being attacked by monsters. So I think we should open this door and charge in and help. Agreed. There's also a very potentially great advantage here, kind of like in the teachings of our military historian, Moon Farm. Um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's true. He got to, there's a very potential and Palfrey's like trying to open the door. She's <laughs> <laughs> like rolling her eyes again, like, oh. <laughs> okay. I want to um, read, read the Science of Battle by Moon Farm. <laughs> Moon Farm, get out of here. Okay, so so uh, Caleb seems to be the only one who's able to open doors around here. Uh, so Caleb's going to be at the front. Behind Caleb, give me uh, front, middle, and rear ranks, please. I'll go in first. I don't have any metal, and I'm strong. Uh, I will take middle. Okay. Also, I'd like to tap my chest and boost my arm. I want to be right behind uh, Suka. Okay. Magnus wants to be in the back. Very good. Rusty and I will take the middle. Okay. Cool. And I'd like to move drawn before we open the door. Okay. Cool. Um, Okay. Uh, so, Caleb puts his hand on the doors, and they slide open, and you see a lot of stuff. Um, so, uh, while your plan to knock down those big doors out of the first room you were in into this room was great and got you in, uh, it did crack the seal uh, for the rust monsters um, to... Uh, seem to have entered in full force. And in fact, in the center of the room, you see the biggest fuck-off rust monster you have ever seen, uh, which you haven't seen that many, to be fair. But uh, this is, like, easily twice the size of the ones you fought earlier. Um, And uh, surrounding it uh, are two smaller ones. uh, And then there is a third one that is, like, gnawing on a gondola over this way. Um... And engaged in battle with them, uh, you see three figures. Um, one is the halfling thief student, Deneb. I knew it. Who is uh, uh, trying to keep these smaller rust monsters at bay with a dagger. Um, actually, pretty near to you guys, um, kind of by the door, uh, is, the, is her compatriot, Ida. Uh, who uh, seems to be running the spell in their direction. Um, and uh, charging over uh, at uh, this one feeding on the gondola uh, 
is, well, I think it would take you a minute to, to understand what you were seeing. Uh, it looks as if someone has thrown like a pile of rope in that direction. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but a, it's, it's not, it's not Ropeson himself, uh, but a creature of similar construction to Ropeson, uh, but maybe smaller, uh, seems to be flinging itself into the fray, uh, attacking this, this rust monster over at the gondola. Um, and all, all of these creatures and combatants uh, turn to face you as the doors whoosh open. Uh, roll initiative, please. <laughs> um, Palfrey, uh, roll a one and has a minus one to initiative. So that's a zero for initiative. Oh, no. Okay. Palfrey will just never act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take him out of the list. Palfrey falls asleep. Uh, <laughs> uh, Suka. Uh, seven. Okay, Jibetta. Four. Kimo. Twenty-two. There it is. There it is. You know, we'll give you a surprise round for that. That's that's pretty darn good. Uh, Magnus. Uh, twelve. Cool. And that's a nineteen. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. So, Kimo, uh, you are up first. All right. So, um, what's the distance between the, the doorway and uh, the group of monsters in the middle? Uh, Sixty feet. Rusty's gonna move two-thirds of the way. It's most of the way there. Uh, Rusty's not gonna move straight forward. Maybe a little bit out of my line of sight. Oh yes, of course. Okay. Like maybe an arc kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to the arrow that I've drawn fly. Rolled a 19. That hits. Damage is 6. Okay. Were you aiming for the big rust monster or one of the little oh, ones? Sorry. Yeah. I'm going to go for the smaller one. Okay. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, you hit it. And uh, be- because you were so ready, uh, you get another action because you're at the top of the regular order. All right. Uh, does that include Rusty then? Uh, yes, it does. Uh, Rusty is going to uh, do the charge attack. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's a twenty-one to hit. That hits. Eight damage, and since it was the uh, charge, target takes an extra d six. Cool. Which will be uh, six. Wow, that's a big old hit. Yeah, I mean Rusty charges up under, like, like uppercuts it with tusks and like sort of impales it on on his tusks. Nicely done, Rusty. And it also has to succeed at DC 11 strength save if you knock it prone. Well, it critted, uh, so it is like on its feet. Okay. <laughs> All right. But extreme, extremely hurt. So uh, I'll draw another arrow and shoot at the green one again. Awesome. Oh man, I rolled an 11. Uh, that does not hit. Right. Okay, that's me. Cool. Uh, Pinlin is going to run around you guys and start sneaking along this wall over here. Okay, uh, now it is uh, the NPCs. So uh, Ida, the student, uh, turns to you and says, I am so glad you have just shown up. We are in over our heads. We've been holding these at bay for a day and a half. Now we haven't slept. I've had to heal the others, but I myself am close to unconsciousness. Uh, Please do everything you can. And she, uh, what does she do? Uh, She actually... Now that you guys are here, she charges up and uh, 
swings her arm and like a uh, a magical vine shoots out of her hand uh, and uh, wraps around the head of the rust monster that Rusty was just attacking. Uh, and she rolls a big old 25. Uh, and she pulls back her arm and her whip just like rips the head of the rust monster off and it falls to the ground. Oh my dead. god. Yes. <laughs> I think Matt is Are you sure you're tired? <laughs> <laughs> I'm using my big guns. Uh, Deneb is going to try to draw her dagger across the throat of the rust monster in front of her. Uh, she's going to miss and she's going to backflip out of the way. Uh, which I think causes Pimlin to raise an eyebrow. Um, and uh, this this rope person, whose name you do not yet get to enjoy, uh, extends himself, I guess, and tries to strangle this rust monster in front of him and succeeds and pulls it down. Oh, wow. Big old hit. Uh, and pulls it down off of the gondola that it was feeding on. Uh, Magnus. Uh, okay. Um, difficult terrain is half your movement, right? That's right. Okay. Uh, then using my uh, ring of elemental command. I fucking forgot you have that. Yes. Uh, I would like to just dive into the dirt and pop up 15 feet away. What I love about this is that you haven't mentioned Magnus like trying this yet. So it's like heat at the moment. You're just like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This feels uh, right. <laughs> Uh, where, where, 15 feet away from where you were, would you like to be? Uh, just straight ahead. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're thereabouts. So, yeah, so you just pop up in front of Caitlin. Yeah, and I want to, like, brush myself off like I just got out of the pool and be like, oh, hey. And then, uh, Eldritch blasts the big boy. Okay, awesome. That is a 14 to hit. That hits. Okay. Uh, six damage. Okay. Great. Yeah, it snarls at you. And has probably like a like a dead patch of skin where uh, where the Eldritch Blast hit. I forgot to do Caleb with the other NPCs. Uh, Caleb Caleb would have charged forward, holding his hammer aloft angrily. Uh, Suka. So I'll move as far as I can, mm-hmm. and then I'm not five feet away from those, right? No, no, you're like ten feet. You're so close. Then what I want to do is I, I can create a harmless sensory effect. So I'd okay. like to, I guess, create a sensation for the rust monsters that there's metal behind them. Yeah, I think that stands to reason. Like in the same way that, that you could, could like distract a human soldier with the smell of a pie or something. I think, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I think you can create a tasty metal smell uh, just behind them. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I would like to do. Yeah, you do that. That's great. Uh, Gebetto. Gebetto is going to pull up a crossbow with a bolt in it. He's going to walk 20 steps forward and just try to ping the other small rust monster. Very good. And uh, as he's doing so, he's going to kind of take a a glance around at all of the other, the the various NPCs. How bad do they look? Do they just look exhausted or are they like wounded? Uh, Yes. Okay, okay. Um, uh, that is a modified 20 to hit. That hits? That's a whopping three damage. Okay. 
And then he's gonna call out anyone who is no longer feeling up for this behind me, but like in a close way, in that I might unburden you of your injuries. Sounds great. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, it's the bad guy's turn. Suka, can you roll um, like plus wisdom for like how good this fake smell is? Yeah. 16. Okay, so the smaller one turns around immediately and goes straight to uh, where the source of the, the fake uh, metal sensation was coming from. Uh, the larger one uh, seems undeterred and uh, is chiefly distracted by the huge hunk of metal that is the hammer that Caleb is carrying um, and begins to move in that direction, uh, but you were in the way. Um, so first, it's going to... Actually, Rusty's in the way, too. It's going to swipe at Rusty. Uh, that is a 16 to hit Rusty. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Rusty takes three bludgeoning damage. Suka, it, it like, rubs its antenna on you, and it seems interested in your pocket. And it's actually, like, it has claws, and it's kind of claw... It claws and, like, rips open your pocket, and outfall the novelty copper piece and the metal sphere that you stole or that was in the robe of the like thieving professor that you stole from the thieves kid. It was a metal sphere. So it has found the two, the tiny two little metal things you have, Uh, but they they fall on the ground uh, and it continues, uh, and it's seeing that it's small objects, it uh, continues its its sort of trample. Um, Go ahead and make a dex save to see if you can get out of the way of this thing. That would be a 20. Uh, Yeah, you like do a freaking cartwheel out of the way. And this thing uh, is going to try to get Kim's hammer. And it rolls a one. Boy, I think it just like, fall, like it, it like trips and falls over and like a turtle on its back is like kicking with legs in the air. Um, and then finally, the other small one is going to attack the rope person and is going to miss. Palfrey. What's the what's the ruling on attacking a prone opponent? Do I gain advantage? Is there any is there any bonus to that? Yes, advantage. Mm-hmm. Take it. Cool. Okay, that is uh, an 18. That hits. That is 12 hit points of damage. Very nice. Did you roll twice? Because I know you got that expanded critical range. Oh, I did. I, I rolled two at a time. Oh, you did. Oh, you did. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yep, cool. Just, I'm dying for you to get that, to hit that expanded critical range, that. man. I yeah. Okay, yeah. It's a big old stab to its nasty, rusty belly. Hema. Okay, I'm going to have Rusty, he can't get to the rust monsters in the back yet. Um, Actually, 40 feet would get you to this one. Nah, he wants to come up about 20 feet short. Okay, cool. Yep, okay. And then uh, I will attack the upside down thimble. Okay, great. You do have advantage. 13. That uh, that does not hit. Yeah, glances off the floor next to it. Uh, Pimlin is going to uh, jump up onto this gondola rail and start creeping along in this direction. All three of the beleaguered party is going to yield to your call, Gebetto, and gather behind you uh, and take no other action. Suka, or sorry, Magnus. Um, how many five foot squares is the big boy? Uh, four. Okay. Uh, I would like to approach 
uh, where his tentacle is. Okay. Um, I would like to touch, and you can tell, like, I'm not sure how this works, so I'm just going to tell you what I want to do, and then you tell me yes, how please. it works. Okay. Uh, I would like to touch the ground beneath his antenna and cast stone shape on that five foot of earth. I would like to transform it into a hand that comes up and grabs and pins him, including his antenna. Hell yeah. Okay. That sounds like something that that spell does. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I just want it to like restrain him and specifically like restrain his antenna. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think in the same way that you would like grab a chicken by the legs, which I don't think you're supposed to do. I haven't done that. But like, uh, you know, gra- gra- or gra- grabbing a rabbit by the ears, maybe. Like, <laughs> it's grabbing the restaurant by the antenna and holding it uh, in place. That's yeah. great. Uh, okay. And then I'd like to use whatever is left of my movement to move away from it. Okay. <laughs> great. Suka. All right, I'd like to first pick up the things that the rust monster knocked out of my pocket. Okay, great. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna put them in my my bag, I'm not in my other pocket. Okay, so cool. Be safer. And then I am going to jump on top of the rust monster. Oh wow! Okay. So that would be an attack with my feet, I suppose. Oh, I see. Okay, cool. Advantage. Yeah. It's sort of stomping attack. Yes, you do have advantage. All right, first one. Yeah, uh, 26. Uh, that does hit. And damage on that is do 10. Oh, yeah. And then I do it one more time as my bonus action. Nice. Well, that would be a 13. That does not hit. So do I just, like, fall off of it? <laughs> no, um, no, but I, I guess you're, like, like skanking on top of this thing. <laughs> Maybe having too good a time and, and not uh, not quite focusing damage to it. All right, uh, Gebetto. I'm going to, like, cautiously, seeing that the big guy is now kind of pinned, I'm going to, like, turn my back towards all the NPCs. Who looks most hurt? Who looks least hurt? Yeah, I think you can readily uh, discern that the two uh, humanoid people are in rough shape. It's really this rope person that is tough to get get a, uh, a look at. Okay, okay. Uh, you're, not, you're not used to assessing rope flesh. That is fair. I also don't know if I have anything that heals rope flesh. So for the time being, I, I'm going to turn to Dena and cast Cure Wounds. Mm-hmm. That is eight points healed. Oh, dang. Oh, dang. That's so much. I feel so good. I I feel so good. And then I'm going to turn to Ida and do healing word as a bonus action, which that is five points of healing. Thanks. I've had better. (laughs) I And that is my turn. Very good. Um, okay, so the big the big fella is gonna try to get up, but is gonna do so with disadvantage uh, thanks to the. I guess I would be opposed. Okay, so um, this is why I was like, I want to do this, but I don't know how it will work mechanically. Okay, so I think I think let's do an opposed strength check. Or okay. no, no, no. Okay, so you can. What's what's like your like spell casting based on like what skill? Uh, charisma. Charisma. Okay, why don't you use that instead of strength as an Okay, opposed. they're the same, so... Oh, oh right, because you're like this weird, like, strength and also yeah. build. Um, I have a 12. 
Uh, I had a seven. So. Oh, no. Okay. Well, it does manage to uh, flip itself over, but I think the, the stone thing keeps its grip on it. Uh, Suka, make a deck save as you are flipped off of this rust monster as it turns itself over. That would be a 12. Okay. Yeah, you're good. You land on your feet. Uh, it is going to try to rub its antenna on Caleb's hammer. He's going to make a save to get out of the way, which he does do. He kind of jumps out of the way. Uh, and then it's going to uh, try to, like, swipe at Palfrey, and it's going to miss. Boy, uh, Rusty's kind of out on his own, isn't he? Um, these two are going to converge on Rusty. Actually, that's not true. That's not what they would do. Um, they are going to fall upon this gondola. Actually, they're going to fall upon the gondola that's over the opening uh, and, and uh, take some chunks out of that. Uh, Palfrey. I think I'm going to try to stab the big guy again. Cool. Can you, in very, you know, um, in very descriptive narrative terms, not uh-huh. numerically speaking, uh, give me a sense of how this guy's looking? Uh, it, he's got a couple chunks out of him. He's maybe a little uh, flustered, having just been grabbed by the floor, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, isn't looking too awful otherwise. He's not on death's door. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Well, I'll see what I can do about that. Yeah. Uh, that is a 27. Ooh. Yeah, that, that hits almost twice. <laughs> uh, it's a 10 hit point of damage. Now, were you aiming for the butt? No, no. <laughs> this time I was, I'll tell you what I was actually aiming for, because he was, he's facing me, right? Uh, that's right. Me. So I'm aiming like into his little rusty mouth. Yeah, okay. Like his mandibles. Cool. Yeah, you like make a nasty mouth stab. Good. <laughs> Hemo. All right. Uh, so uh, Rusty's going to do the tusk attack with the charging tusk attack against the large one or the, the large the... one. Cool. Yeah, he, it, it's a seven, so it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Uh, no. But <laughs> he's there now. Uh, I guess yeah. uh, I will shoot uh, a longbow from roughly ten feet away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nineteen for to hit. That hits. Uh, damage not. Which, let's not gloss over all these hits that Kimo is making lately, you know? <laughs> you turned a new leaf, it's great. Yeah, it's good <laughs> Uh Yeah, you, you hit it in the abdomen and it uh, spits a cloud of rusty dust and uh, seems like it's in significant pain. And then, uh, for movement, I'd like to like skirt tor- around the rust monster over towards rusty as close as I can. Okay, cool. Uh, Pimlin is going to, uh, not really accomplishing much of anything, but he's going to like tightrope walk along this track, uh, and get about to here. How high up is that? Uh, like 15 feet. About five Pimlins. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly five Pimlins. Okay, uh, emboldened by the recent healing, uh, the group of young adventurers is going to charge forward and attack the large rust monster. Try to get this concise. Um, okay, so the uh, the rope fellow sends a crackling whip of himself onto across the uh, the back of the rust monster, and uh, Deneb the thief uh, gets a dagger into its side, and it seems to take a not insignificant amount of damage from that. Magnus. Uh, I would like to, uh, if I come around to like directly below Palfrey, mm-hmm. what parts of its body are available to me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I think you're you're at its butt right now. Okay, but like, does it have like le- leggies and stuff? Like, Le- yeah, sure, leggies. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I don't want to infringe on Palfrey's butt thing. You know, actually, <laughs> I'm I'm wrong because because Palfrey just stabbed it in the mouth, so you're at its side. Okay. So no I'm, danger of butt stab. Real quick, can we like retroactively make it so Palfrey doesn't have a butt thing? No. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would direct you to the Shrock episode where the, the the butt antics are like that's like the backbone of that session. <laughs> um, I would like to do the same thing again, but have the hands come up and grab its back leg on that side. Okay, like that, trying to hold it. Wait, do you just have like infinite number of those? I no, think I, I I have five charges on the ring. Okay. And that spell takes two charges per, so gotcha, I gotcha. can't do anything else with it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm just playing with it. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It grabs it by the legs. Are you trying to like flip it over or like? I'm trying to just hold it in place okay. so that it's easier for everybody else to hit. Gotcha. Okay. Basically, uh, and then I like to use whatever is of my movement to get myself uh, towards the two smaller. Great. It's okay. I'm just going to hit it really hard. Cool. Uh, and that will be 19. The hit. That hits. Mm-hmm. And nine damage. And then I'm going to hit it again. Great. And that would be a natural 20. Curse splat. We only had a few hit points left. Yeah. With, I don't, what's, what's, your, what's your finishing move? What's Suka's finishing move? Oh, man. She's always a little surprised when it happens. So I'm not sure. <laughs> She has a finishing move. Her finishing move is like gasping and jumping yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> it is a, a look of surprise. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, the, the big one uh, keels over and uh, moves no longer. Jibetta. All right. I'm going to kind of assess everybody and be like, we good? Everybody feeling fine? They're, oh, you're all running off and doing things. Wonderful. That's the best, the surest sign of health is activity. Uh, remember to stretch. And I'm going to pop another bolt into my crossbow and take a pop shot at one of the little guys. Cool. Uh, what is the distance between me and them? Uh, significant. Let me see. 80 feet. I would like to step 20 feet closer to them. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that's a 15 to hit. Uh, that hits. All right, and that deals five damage. Yeah, arrow sticks into its side and it squeals and turns to face you. I don't like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that one is going to uh, charge in your direction but can't quite get to you. Um, the other one is going to continue feeding on this gondola, uh, which it's eaten enough of it now that it's almost the gondola is like sort of just hanging by a thread. Alfred. All right. Hmm. Um, I would like to attempt some sort of combo technique. Of yeah. Some kind. Let's do it. I don't know what her options are because we're all kind of far away. Is it possible that I could throw a spear and Magnus could somehow bank it into the rust monster? Like an alley-oop? Yeah, kind of. I, I don't have any spell anything that can help with, like, chucking something at them. Uh, what if you yeah. like tried to hit in the back of a shield or spear to like with a eldritch blast? That's it. That's it. You throw your spear. I'll hit the back of your spear with an eldritch blast to try and propel it harder. Nice. Okay. Cool. 
All right, uh, do, uh, Luke. Did I make like uh, just a normal attack roll for that? Yeah. So, so <laughs> this is this is where like the initiative thing gets weird. So I guess you're like throwing the spear on your turn, and then like four turns from now, Magnus will will execute the follow up maneuver. Which, if each round of combat is six seconds, is feasible. Yeah. Just hold your spear throw until Magnus's turn. Yeah, let's do, let's do that. So I'll ready in action, and then right before Magnus's turn, I will throw a spear at somebody, and Magnus will propel it into the uh, Rust Monster's brain. Very good. Um, okay, uh, then we're on to Hemo. Okay, so uh, I want to move up to Rusty. Hemo's going to move up to Rusty. Okay. And I am going to cast uh, Cure Wings. My last spell slot and Rusty heals five hit points, takes him up to nine. Cool. And then Rusty, Rusty will do a charge and cusp attack. Cool. And 16. That hits. Uh, total of eight damage. And then uh, the Rust Monster is knocked prone unless he succeeds against the DC 11. Great. I uh, got a 17. Oh. Uh, but that one, that one just <laughs> somehow stays on its feet, but it looks like it's on its last legs. Okay. So it has used its last legs to stay up. Uh, Pimlin is going, cat-like, is going to creep along the top of this railing or this track and going to uh, throw a dagger down at the rust monster that is feeding on the ground below. It's going to super duper hit. And the dagger sticks into its side. Uh... The Rust Monster, uh, having been hit from above but not knowing quite where, going to jump off the gondola and charge in this direction. Uh, this one, catching sight of the gleam of Palfrey's armor, uh, is going to make its way uh, to Palfrey, but will take an opportunity attack from Rusty. Rusty rolled a wobble. Does not hit. Um, Palfrey, go ahead and make a dex save uh, as it rubs its antenna on your very special armor. Two. Okay. Um, it gets a big old uh, rub on your armor uh, and disintegrates like a big, like a slash across. And it's enough. It actually, it doesn't uh, get quite down to the skin, uh, but it gets through the armor and cuts into your clothing a bit. Uh, so you have like a diagonal slash across your armor. That looks cool, but is discomforting to me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, so now we've arrived at just before Magnus's turn, uh, so it's your move. All right. Um, <laughs> okay, here's what I want, here's what I want to do. Okay. <laughs> I want to throw my spear yeah. up into the air, yeah. and I want, I want Magnus to hammer it back down into the guy who's right in front of me. Yes. Can we do that? Yes. <laughs> what, I, what I love about that is it's like a way to do... Like you're not provoking any attack opportunity because you're not attack, <laughs> like you're not doing it. You're just throwing it in the air. Yep. <laughs> uh, so do I roll my eldritch blast at the same time? Yeah. Well, so let's let's have a let's have like a ranged attack from Palfrey just to reflect okay. like the accuracy of this throw. Ooh, that would be a twenty-six. Cool. Okay. So then, uh, so you're doing an eldritch blast, right? Yeah. Cool. Okay. And you do have advantage because uh, Palfrey's alley oop was successful. Correct. All right, I rolled it a 26. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> like a jart that will inflict a lawsuit upon its creator, uh, the, this spear is struck mightily by your Eldritch Blast and skewers this thing, uh, and it moves no more. Congratulations. Uh, That's awesome. as, I, as I throw the spear, I shout, 
liable jart. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. That's Palfrey's new battle cry is liable jart. Liable jart. <laughs> and you guys now have a plus one whenever you help each other. So, so yes. you're well on your way. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Didn't know Palfrey had such moves. <laughs> Imagine your armor just like hanging open. You're just like dancing. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big job for Gibetto when this is all said and done. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to like call to G- I'm gonna be like Gibetto. <laughs> um, Suka. How much damage does the one Rust Monster left have? Has anyone touched that yet? Uh, I believe Pimlin's uh, dagger hit a moment ago was the only hit it's received, so not much damage. Okay. I think I'd like to use my final two key points to do my Fist of Unbroken Air again. Hell yeah. I want one of these to hit, man. So do I. (laughs) It has to make a strength saving throw. Uh, So I did roll an 18. Ah! <laughs> it's useless. Oh man! When it works, it's going to be like a narratively important moment. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess on a successful save, it says here it takes half as much damage. Okay. So go ahead and roll your damage, and we'll just divide it in half. So that would be a an, a total of four. Okay. Hey, it's not nothing. All right. Yeah. Uh, it uh. Some of its like scales tear off in the wind of your your uh, blast there. Gibetto. Uh Gibetto is going to load another bolt and take another shot. Cool. Uh, twenty-two to hit. It does hit. And that would be eight damage. Oh boy, that's a big old hit. Um, yeah, so I think with with that hit, uh, this thing looks terrible, uh, and it's going to squeal in fright uh, and run back through those those big doors you guys knocked down uh, and disappear into that other room. And you hear it skittering away. <laughs> hey folks, this is Luke Brevort, your host and Dungeon Master, and today I'm speaking to you as... Rusty the Boar, you know, it's not saying much, but uh, I think this was my favorite fight yet, just because nobody from my own party attacked me. Hey, uh, also, I don't think they can hear me. Uh, while I have you, I just wanted to let you know that I'm actually a prince from a distant kingdom that was turned into a boar by a witch's curse. Just kidding. Technically, I'm a duke. Thanks for listening to Session 22 of Vengeance. Now we're past the uh, midway point in Volume 1 of this adventure. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. There are uh, some very, very interesting twists and turns coming up, uh, so stay tuned. The show is edited and sound designed by me, Luke Brevort. Our theme song is Castles in Winter by Joel Van Drogenbroek. All other music is by me. The website for my sound work is splendorsound.com, and you can email the show at vengeancepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that thing with Rusty isn't canon, by the way. I was just pulling your leg. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I seem to be falling for some reason. Can I ask Caitlin to shut those doors for the moment? Yeah. Uh, so, that's an interesting question, because the doors you just came in through slid into the wall, and as far as you know, there's no way to get them to close again, except on their own, which seems to be like on about an hour delay. Um, the other set of doors that the rust monster just disappeared through are wooden doors, um, which are kind of uh, broken off their hinges from your guys' very successful breaking down of them uh, two sessions ago. 
Um, so it's the the doors themselves are not uh, splintered or broken or anything. They're just sort of uh, flung to the side. So if you, it's conceivable you could find a way to get them back in place if you wanted to seal that doorway. I mean, I think we need to focus on getting out of here, right? Like we're only a little bit away from the front door. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have any conception of what time it would be outside? Uh, it's about midday. Okay. Um, Paul Free's armor. Oh yes, please. absolutely. Uh, Thank you. And I'm just gonna. <laughs> so I'm gonna reach up, and it's 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 very comical because I'm gonna I'm gonna put my hands on the breastplate, and then I'm gonna kind of like hook into the different articulations of it, and pull Paul Free down to ear level, and just go, do not make a habit of this and then cast Mending before I release him. Thank you very much. Thank you. On behalf of the people who own this armor, thank you very much. They're <laughs> people, you don't speak for them. So so this is a pretty big gash. What's like the letter of Mending? Like how much? Uh, if it's less than a foot of area. Okay, it is more than that. So I'll, I'll say what you're able to achieve is you're able to sort of close this and make the two halves of like the breastplate of this armor whole again, uh, but it ain't pretty. It almost looks like if you were to like solder or like weld something together, there's like a sort of rough line. I'm gonna like kind of look over it and go, I have something for this. Give me give me time once we get to camp and I'll, I'll have to borrow the breastplate, but I have something for this. Okay, I appreciate that. Listen, I, I really, I thank you for what you did here. Um, I would love to get the deposit back. So anything you can do, I appreciate it. I have something for this. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna pull Paul Fries. Was it a javelin or a pike? What did What did I hit the back of? A spear. Just a spear. Okay. I'm gonna pull the spear out and hand it to him and be like, "Nice going," and do like a fist bump. Fist bump. Carrot crew forever. Sure. I feel like maybe I need to name the spear Carrot. Wouldn't that be a like a, just a badass name for a spear, Carrot? Carrot. Yeah. And then that can be the emblem on our costumes. Anyway, we can talk about I need it. To get, I need to get someone to embroider me a surcoat with a carrot on it. <laughs> in real life? You mean in the game. <laughs> yes, I mean in the game. Shall we? Uh, as quickly as possible, perhaps? Uh, so the, uh, the two students that you know and the rope person, uh, the students have just like collapsed outright. Uh, just like oh. flat, flat on their backs on the ground, like panting. The rope person uh, has just like, it, from its humanoid form, has just collapsed into like a, a loose coil of rope on the ground, which nevertheless seems to be like heaving in heavy breath. Uh, and Caleb says, it seems like these these three have just barely kept these rust monsters at bay. I mean, what, what if they were to get into the city and, or into the other parts of the caves? It, uh, we, we need to, to seal that entrance. I can fix things with mending to repair things, but that's about it. To start? Is that a cantrip? It is a cantrip. I can just continue to cast it, but we have to get everything that is busted like into place. Okay. So this is going to be some amount of team effort. I'll help. I would say, yeah, if you guys want to like try to push the doors back into place, um, we could do a group strength check. Okay. Uh, the question would remain, what side of the doors do you want to end up on? <laughs> We could use a rest. So if we close ourselves in here, that might be a relatively safe place to rest. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Um, I would like to rest. You, presumably also, we couldn't get in through the doors because they were locked. Is is the lock mechanism on this side? Yes. 
<laughs> we can discuss it. Let's get the door in place. We'll close ourselves inside of it. We'll take a nice rest. And then we will think with full bellies and warm hearts or whatever it is you topsiders like. <laughs> um, so if the idea is to push the doors back into place, let's have strength checks from everybody, please. I can't be lifting because I got to be touching them hinges and stuff. Oh, well, this is true. Uh, modified 20. Very good. Suka. Seven. Ooh, not so good. Hemo. Twelve. Cool. Uh, Magnus. Fifteen. And Pimlin. Ooh, I don't have Pimlin's current sheet, uh, but that is a good roll. Okay, so that is the majority. So you do, uh, and, and you have the students. Of course, they're going to be at disadvantage because they're tired as fuck. Yeah. Those are all good rolls. And you got Kalem. That's very good. And Rusty, of course, uh, if you want to roll for Rusty real quick. Uh, yeah. Uh, three. Okay. Rusty doesn't add much, uh, but but by and large, the group gets by and is able to hold the doors in place. Uh, Gibetto is, what are you doing? You're mending the lock? Yeah. Anywhere that I see any damage to the wood or to the metal, I'm going to, like, slap my hands all over this thing. And if needed, <laughs> as I'm, like, holding with one hand, I'd like to, like, lift him with the other to get him <laughs> he can't reach. Yeah, so, like, a scene in Stomp, you're, like, going around and, like, hitting different parts. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> what, what is the tone? What, what wood is this door? What's the tone like? I, I believe oak is what I said. Uh, yeah, given its size, it would probably be, like, below the, the uh, range of human hearing for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, you hit the brown note, and everyone has a mess in their pants now. Oh, no. <laughs> I was aiming for a blue note. I apologize, everyone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. So you have successfully uh, returned these doors to their uh, closed and locked state, and you are in a uh, room that is empty of threats, but full of rust monster carcasses. Yeah, by the way, um, it would just be chock full of rust monster carcasses from all the rust monsters those three had fought off over the last, uh, like, 36 hours or so. Are you guys sure you're just students? Uh, yeah, we super are. They're like already falling asleep on the ground. Like they're just completely, they got nothing left. When you wake up, we need to have a talk about what you're doing here. And the rope guy. Yeah, and what's your name? Uh, name's Ropes Pierre. God, <laughs> yes. dear. I was hoping that's what it would be. <laughs> and you got on me for Moon Farm. <laughs> Uh, and with with that, he and and the other two uh, expire uh, and are just like, <laughs> yeah, they're not dead. Sorry, <laughs> they're asleep, not dead. <laughs> expire is a loaded term. <laughs> are the doors to the city still open? They are. Okay. And you may recall it, it was about an hour interval um, the last time you opened them before they closed on their own. Caleb, would it, it wouldn't hurt, right, to maybe have some Modrons in here to stand help stand guard and maybe help open the door when we need it. Yes, in fact, I'm not sure uh, why I, I didn't think to uh, have them lead the charge in this last battle and just do the fighting for us. But uh, yeah, why don't I go get some? Uh, and he charges off down the stairs with his hammer over his shoulder. Can I make, I don't know if it would be uh, like a nature or a medicine check or something, but I'd like to roll to see if I know whether or not um, Rust Monster is edible or even particularly palatable. Interesting. Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll. Oh, uh, what, what skill am I rolling? I think that's nature. Nature. Uh, oh, great. That's a one. Uh, so it is a modified 20. Okay. 
Yeah, um, I think it's the kind of thing where uh, if you are careful in the way that you chop it up, it is edible. There's probably like some vein that runs, like a rust vein that runs along the center of it that uh, would do damage to, uh, I mean, if it can eat up a sword, it's going to mess up your gut, right? So I'm going to turn to Suka and be like, your hands are a little bit more deft than mine. If you want to prepare a meal tonight, we can salvage some parts of this, but... I can talk you through it, but I mean, this club is just going to bash it. I can't really get any of the good parts out. I'm game for this. Awesome. Um, I th- I would say uh, this would be a hard preparation. Um, so you would need to make a culinary check in excess of 20 to successfully oh. prepare this rust monster meat. Ooh, okay. Let's see. And, 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 by, and by the way, sorry, but before you roll on this, like by rolling, you are cooking it and serving it. So, so like you can't, if you roll under 20, that doesn't mean that you realize you've messed up. It means that you mess up and you serve it and you don't realize that. Does she get advantage for my helping to guide through the the bits of the beast? Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Sure. Okay. Uh, Well, my first roll was a 20 then. That beats it. Uh, Yeah. So, um... Uh, I guess you're you're making some sort of campfire. You don't have a flaming boar to uh, prepare anything over. That, no, that, I'm sorry. That included my proficiency. Sorry, I'm still learning exactly how the app works. That's cool. <laughs> it was an 18. Oh, okay. We'll go ahead and make... You have, yeah, you have advantage to so make another roll. I did that, and it was worse. Oh, no. Okay. Okay, uh, so... Well, I guess what I should have done is see who is eating this meat before we all just heard her roll that. I think it stands for reason that given recent meals that Suka has made have been good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that there's any reason y'all wouldn't dig right in. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure she exudes confidence as she's cooking. Um, so everyone make a constitution saving throw as you eat this, but you all still have advantage from the previous night's meat. That's right. Do I have to do it too? Uh, yeah, I guess you do. Not 20. Two of you. Now you guys are <laughs> on eating. <laughs> on, yeah. yeah, we're like feeding each other. I'm taking my filet of rust monster and throwing it up into the air and I want Magnus to Eldritch blast it back down into his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's awesome. 14. 14. Okay. I rolled a 10. Okay. Oh. Oh, and I guess Rusty, right? Rusty would probably partake in this. I, I'm sure Rusty would partake. Uh, so Rusty, Rusty is an 18. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's just you two elves uh, who are afflicted. I, mean, I, think, I mean, I think you all feel a little queasy, but the two of you um, are poisoned oh. by this. <laughs> Uh, which gives you disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. This is the second time Suka's cooking has poisoned me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Rusty is like on the fence with his loyalty to you. You're maybe on the fence with your loyalty to Suka. <laughs> um, so, so is that the play you're, you're bedding down at midday in this dwarven cavern? I mean, I think I need to rest, man. I don't. I don't really have. I'm not at full capacity here. I haven't been since the gargoyle thing. Okay. Same. Same. 
I'm ready to join the uh, the crew on the floor. I just kind of like plop down near them. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, just as you're all drifting off, you do hear uh, the clatter of many feet coming up the stairs, and here comes Caleb with like two dozen Modrons in front of him, like with their, I don't know, I imagine them being kind of clumsy with like flailing arms and holding spears and, and little shields and stuff. And, and Caleb's like just laughing aloud to himself, like, they just do what I say. They do anything. I made them dance down there. They do anything. <laughs> this really bodes well for him being a uh, and he has them form, uh, I guess not a human period, but a Modron pyramid uh, on top of themselves, uh, like forming, <laughs> like like a like a ziggurat of guardianship around you guys as you sleep. <laughs> Wondrous. Cool. Um, are you guys doing watches, or are you just passing out? I mean, we're all feeling kind of bad, right? After that rust monster. I mean, to the extent that we're doing a watches, it's like, yeah, I'm doing a watch when I'm not pooping. My <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, you and I are going to be up a little bit. Four hours. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. All right. So we're just crashing for the first half of the night, and then the elves are awake for the second half. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. The first half of the night passes uneventfully. You all sleep peacefully, uh, as comfortably as you can on a rock floor. I imagine, uh, Magnus, you could probably use your ring to conjure up like a rock pillow under your head or something like that if you wanted to. <laughs> uh, I don't have enough charges. For oh, that's that, true. But, but because like I can move through the earth, I want to like I want to just like burrow down and like move it so that it, like perfectly contours to my body, so it's like a memory foam mattress. Yeah, the the world is your sleep number bed now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So uh, that that occurs. Uh, it is wonderful. Uh, so you elves uh, come out of your med- meditative state, and I guess you're inside of like a like chain link Modrin pyramid. Um, but uh, assuming that uh, if you were to rouse Caleb, I'm sure he would wave his hammer sleepily and uh, have them park to allow you out. Um, shortly after you are standing up, all of a sudden. So there's this gondola that's like over a big hole in the floor and under a hole in the ceiling, uh, and which had been like half eaten by rust monsters. It's just like dangling there, damaged. You hear like a faint whirring sound, and all of a sudden it like shoots down through the floor, um, and the cable that it's attached to uh, begins to feed out of the ceiling really, really quickly. Um, And it runs for like 15 minutes with nothing passing through either hole. Um, And then... Uh, very suddenly, at like breakneck speed, a gondola uh, very quickly passes from the roof hole to the floor hole. Um, roll perception to see if you're able to make out what is in that gondola. And this is just the elves who are the only ones awake currently. I rolled a 15. I rolled a 24. Okay, uh, Suka, clear as day, you actually catch the eye of one of two drow figures who are in this gondola and are just moving at incredible speed. Um, actually, I shouldn't say you catch its eye. Um, I'm doing a post. Oh, yeah, you super don't. They don't notice you, but you notice uh, it's two drow figures moving in this gondola very quickly downward. Okay. And they continue through, and the uh, the cable that they were attached to seems to move downward for another uh, 15 or 20 minutes. Um, and then uh, there's a 
very uh, distant and, and echoing stopping sound of hunk, uh, and the cable moves no more. Okay. Uh, first thing I do is, is tell Hemo. Um, I'm not sure if he saw it or I, I guess during while I'm watching this, I kind of like pull him along and and then I suppose I'd like to go back and I, I do want to allow the party to still have a long rest. I don't feel the need to like wake everybody up and do anything instantly. But when everybody wakes up, I want to tell them right away what happened. Did you recognize them? I, I mean, I saw that they were, were drow, but I didn't recognize them as anything beyond that. Okay. I'm going to turn to Caleb and be like, were there drow in here before? Like when you guys were here, did drow come in? You know, my, my parents talked about it was an invasion of dark figures is what they always said. These dark, dark figures. So it's possible that's who they were referring to. So it's not a good thing. It's never a good thing with draft. I mean, I don't want to be prejudicial, but uh, they certainly haven't done much good in this world recently. And they are in my house, which I can say now that I have this badass hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, do you know anything about the, the gondolas? Was this something that existed in the past that other people are using, or is this new creation? Yeah, you know, I, I believe this is the transportation system to uh, the, the mining portions of uh, Ag the realm of Agland. And I can remember being very small and going with my mother, uh, the, the, I believe it was a uh, take your son to work day. And uh, she took me uh, into the, the mithril mines that she worked in. I can remember riding on the gondola and uh, moving very quickly and being very bored. <laughs> and now I wish I'd paid more attention. What would interest? Well, what would interest a draft, but also what would interest anyone down there? Is it just the mithril, or? Uh, yeah, certainly just the mithril. I don't recall much else. Um, and as I understand it, most of uh, the most of the mithril vein in particular had been exhausted uh, by the time of the calamity. So I'm not sure what what attracts them here necessarily. I'm sure nothing good. You could say that again. I'm <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely have to follow those drow. Okay. I, I mean, I was really dead set on getting back to town and just taking a breath and resting, but you're right. Like, that's drow. That's serious business. We should pursue them. Worst case scenario, mm -hmm. if it's not Mithril they're after, that's bad. But if it is just Mithril that they're after, that's even worse because then they're covered in Mithril. And that's like trying to, you know kill a spider with fire and now you have a flaming spider. It's just, oh, the memory. I mean, it's, it's like trying to get a boar to get off a log in lava. You know? <laughs> it's like you get, you get a boar off a log in lava, man. You just can't. <laughs> um, I'd like to ask the students if in any of the time that they were fighting in here, and we will come back to why you're here. Yeah, uh, they've just been like kind of quietly like keeping themselves like, wow, they're really like, they're making some big decisions here. We should just let this happen. But, um, did the gondolas move, or did you see anyone else the entire time you've been here? I, I just speaks up and no, Ro Robespierre speaks up and says, "No, we uh, we didn't see any any movement like that. We've just been, you know, like idiots. We uh, we took too long, and the doors closed behind you guys, and we've just been camped out here trying to hold down the fort as best we could." Why are you here, though? Why aren't you at school? And I can't believe I'm saying that because I dropped out of the fifth grade. <laughs> uh, Deneb is uh, like tracing a circle in the dirt with her foot 
says, well, uh, we wanted to be adventurers like you guys, and uh, also we're not sure if you're good or evil. Uh, so we followed you. I don't know. Yeah, we've been following you. We followed you since you left Guildford. I'm going to just and, look uh, at Emo, who disregarded my <laughs> warnings about people following us. <laughs> I'm going to lean in and just be like, look me in the eyes and tell me we seem evil. I'm going to open my eyes very <laughs> wide, and there's no whites, there's no pupils, it's just gray on gray. She's <laughs> like, look, man, you convinced us of your noble pursuits back in the school, but then you, like, threatened our dean and then, like, left pamphlets and jumped out a window. Like, we didn't know what to think. Sounds pretty cool. I'm gonna high-five Palfrey. <laughs> <laughs> but I got, but, you know, Horatia was saying some crazy stuff after after you guys left, so we didn't feel great about hanging around with her either, so we decided to just uh, take a little sabbatical from school and see what we could learn on the road, and we figure you guys are probably going to do some cool stuff, so we just followed you. Well, welcome to the team. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. There is a strict system for who gets added to this team, if you, for no I other reason. see you have them on your list. Come on. Well, yes, you but I don't want to write it later, but it's, it's, you will, it's in graphite. It's not in ink yet. <laughs> well, this is all well and good, but uh, still seems we need to investigate the presence of the drow here. Whether or not we have students along for the ride is kind of beside the point as far as I'm concerned. We should probably investigate, but before we do anything, Alfrey, I'm gonna need that breastplate. Sure thing. There you go. Why do you always make that sound when you take off your armor? You make that sound with your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it really helps me relax. I have to suck in my gut the whole time while I'm wearing this breastplate. (laughs) Ooh, does Palfrey cut like quite a svelte figure in this armor? In the armor, he does. I, mm. He's like he's in relatively good shape, you know. <laughs> Palfrey's just strongman fit. You never see defined right. abs on a strongman. That's right. He looks like the Big Show. He wears a a, <laughs> a singlet. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So, so way back when when Gibetta walked walked in on Palfrey drinking a glass of milk in his uh, hotel room, was was Palfrey wearing a singlet and drinking a glass of milk? Palfrey, Palfrey wears, he wears his armor, and then under his armor he wears like a squire's clothes, like a tunic mm. and stuff. But then his bottom-most layer is a red leg <laughs> singlet. And that is, that is canon. You may quote me on that. He's okay. a never-nude. Yeah, well, he's not a never-nude. He just, that's just his underwear. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I would like to use my uh, artisan's blessing. I have this steel bloom, and I would like to use it to kind of form a riveted cover that almost looks like, this is gonna get a little bit technical, but just kind of like a patch over the entirety of the seam that is riveted in place. And whereas the rest of the armor may be polished and very bright, I want this to be like a satin finish. So mm. it's not that it doesn't detract from the armor, but it does catch the eye. It, looks, kind of, like deliberate it looks like a deliberate embellishment that maybe goes up over one shoulder. Would you say that this this piece is like wider near the top and like tapers to a point near the bottom? It it I would say yes. And does it maybe them? <laughs> <laughs> maybe it has some like horizontal striation as if it had like grown or something? Yeah, yeah. 
As you're using bits of the bloom to... Yeah. Yeah. The only limit on my artisan's blessing is that this can't be worth more than 100 gold when I'm done with it, so... Oh, I, I think that to the extent that you modified this, like, you, we've voided the warranty on this armor. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't think it's worth anymore. I mean, it's it's certainly more effective, but yeah. Well, thank you very much. That's tremendously kind of you. And, uh, you know, Gibetto, um he presents a, a crusty exterior, but he always comes through for his friends, and I appreciate that about him. You know, sometimes people have hidden insides, and sometimes they're like pie, and there's a third layer at the bottom that's the same as the first. Alfred's <laughs> <laughs> gonna, gonna ponder that one for a long time. Yeah, for th for three three point one four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, damn it, I should have made pie. <laughs> 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 Monster meat pie. <laughs>